Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax with their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs. You can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. So here's the thing about the Lightning's 2-1 to win over Carolina in Game 1 of their series with the Hurricanes. This is not going to look anything like the Florida series. It doesn't appear. Carolina is such a, a tough checking team. These games, I think, Steve, we're going to all be low scoring. They kind of were during the regular season. And in this one, Andre Vasilevsky, I thought, saved them in a pretty shaky first period. He ends up stopping 37 of 38. Just a, And then, of course, you know when they get the lead 2-1, to one, they, the, the, final, the defense played terrific the final six or seven minutes, that experience in the Stanley Cup and um, just that group that they've had together now for a while really came through. But this is going to be one of those you know goals at a premium, and you don't want to get in the penalty box. No, and I think as Dave Michigan has pointed out many times, Carolina is a four-checking machine, mm-hmm. and they will four-check you to death. They're, they're not as sound defensively once you get into their zone, as, say, Florida was. They're also right. not as physical as Florida is. No. But they're fast, and they will four-check you, and they will pound you and force you to stay in your zone, which in the first period, the Lightning didn't spend a lot of time outside of their zone. Um, and, and Andre Vasilevsky was fantastic and, and kept that game scoreless. Mm-hmm. Um, the power play is going to be very key in this series, and both teams yep. got a power play goal in game one. Right. The Lightning taking too many penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them, you know, you know, Sorelli gets the stick up. It's a, you're trying to lift the stick. You end up hitting the face. That happens. Sergachev had one uh, that happened to Carolina as well. The too many men on the ice penalty, that's a bad penalty to take. The one they called on Kucherov I thought was a bad call. I mean, if you're going to call that, you should have gotten the Carolina player for doing mm-hmm. exactly the same thing, and Kucherov was more or less retaliating, I think, at that point. Well, but we know you can't. You retaliate, you're more than likely. I mean, what Kucherov did was a penalty, absolutely. Oh, now, no doubt. He was interfered with as he was hit before the, the puck got there on the yeah. power play, and he was upset there was about no it. no call. Right. But you can't let that – you can't goat the referees into calling a penalty on you because you're retaliating. I mean, that's – true. You know that's what that's what Kucherov stayed away from in the bubble last year. You know we saw that in in the Columbus series the year before when they got swept out. We've seen that at other times where he gets upset and and then takes dumb penalties because of it. We didn't see that last year in the bubble. Um, He let that slip tonight. Now they got out of that penalty penalty or power penalty kill and and didn't allow a goal. But you you can't put your team on the penalty kill for two minutes because you're upset that the officials blew a call. You know, I, you know, you can't. I mean, what he did was a penalty. It wasn't just retaliation. I mean, he cross-checked the guy. No, he um, did. He made, he made it real obvious. Him, so. I mean, you know, it was. Yeah. And, and you were on a power play. The officials didn't want to give you a five on three. I don't think they that, missed it. I think they didn't want to give you a five on three. Which, to be honest, I can't stand when officials do that. Mm-hmm. If that was the case, maybe they just blew it. But it was. Right. It was obvious that the puck wasn't at to Kucherov yet. It was ways away, mm-hmm. and they hit him. So. You know, but you can't retaliate. I mean, we've seen we saw that in the in the uh, against the Florida series. There were times where Florida goaded you into retaliating, and you got a penalty. You can't do that in the playoffs. You can't put your team shorthanded for two minutes 
against teams that are as good as Florida and Carolina and always get away with it. Now, the goalie behind you helps, absolutely. But, you know, Cooch has to be better than that. Yeah, and they score on that. Um, you know, it, it it was only with about 10 seconds or so left in that particular power play. They almost killed it. Um, they're very close to doing that. But uh, the goals, I mean, the first one uh, from Braden Point was uh, a terrific uh, deflection, I guess you would say, or, or finish after Vic, Victor Hedman um, shot it towards the net. So that, that put him up one nothing, And then the one that I'm sure um, – they'd like to have back if you're Carolina is, is this tough angle shot by Barclay Goodrow who you wouldn't, if you had Barclay Goodrow scoring the, the, the winning goal in game one, um, you probably could have won some money on that prop bet, but you know, he, he gets, he hits the back in the net. It, it just seemed, it seemed as if it was going to be a fairly easy stop on the short side, but it, it got through. Well, as Phil Esposito has said many a time, shoot the puck. Mm-hmm. Good things can happen when you throw the puck at the net. Now, that's, That's right. a really bad goal by Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, you know, you can't let your pad off the ice like that and kind of push back in as the shot's coming in. I mean, it's just it's a really bad goal. And, and Rod Brindamore, the coach of Carolina, said it after the game. He goes, look, it's a bad goal. He goes, it happens. We move on. But and, and what he said was correct. we got to score more than one to beat the Lightning. So giving up one bad goal, you know, right. that can't be why we lose a game. You've got to put more in the net against the Lightning or you're not going to win. Um you know, I thought Novelkovich did great today. I, that was a bad goal. Yeah. Well, it turned out to be the winning goal, and that's because mm-hmm. the Bulls played such great, solid defense uh, down the stretch. You know, John Cooper decided to go with six defensemen, and then they lost uh, mm-hmm. Eric Chernak. Um, well, David Savard, first of all, upper body injury did not play. So Luke Shen drew correct. in as the six defenseman. Mm-hmm. And then Eric Chernak, as, as you just pointed out, with about two minutes to go in the second period, got crunched between two uh, Hurricanes players, I'm guessing went into concussion protocol or at least to the dark room to check it. it. The way he kind of fell to the ice after he got hit, it looked like he kind of not knocked out but was a little loopy for a second there at least. He never saw that coming. He he Mm -hmm. was completely blindsided. He turned and and I think his head caught the side of the helmet. of. uh, Well, the one player hit him and then that caused his head to hit the other guy's helmet. Correct, correct. And, and, you know, it's just a a freak play that happens. After the game, John Cooper said that Chernak, you know, he should be okay. And Mm -hmm. it seemed pretty nonchalant about saying he should be okay. We saw him in the post game as the team was leaving the ice down the tunnel to their locker room. He was there giving high fives to players. He was in his sweats and, and already changed out his uniform, but mm-hmm. that's good to see him out there in that regard. So, Two guys that I noticed, Steve, and let me get your opinion on this. Um, I think Tyler Johnson's playing a hell of a hell of a uh, postseason. Um, this guy has, has hustled and created opportunities. He didn't get on the board. He didn't have an assist, but he did He did manage to, to create some pressure for the Lightning. And then this might have been Victor Hedman's, one of his best games, too. He was definitely more aggressive in jumping in the offensive zone today, which we hadn't seen mm-hmm. in a while. And, and at this point, we're pretty sure he's been hurt since March 30th and is you know put, putting off surgery. At least that's all reports. They don't mm-hmm. really say anything at this point. So we know there's something not right with him. But, yeah, I thought he played well. I thought he jumped in the zone, the offensive zone, and, and, and pushed the, the pace of play some. Tyler right. Johnson, particularly game six, I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's skating very well right now. We talked about this too with Game Six. Putting Ross Colton on that fourth line now, right, makes that fourth line so much better. 
Mm-hmm. And it makes it, it with Goodrow coming back, it puts Goodrow back on that third line. It moves Ross Colton down to the fourth line. And now you've got everyone where they should be. Um, not just in, in your four lines, but even penalty kill. Because your first two over the penalty kill is now Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. And then, you know, Yanni Gord and, and et cetera, you know, Kalorn and Sorelli and the others that come out. But everyone slots back to where they should be now in their lines and as far as minutes and everything else. But Ross Colton really helps drive that fourth line. And with Tyler Johnson's speed on that line, and, and Pat Maroon, we know, has got good hands and, and, and likes to, to hang out in front of that net. It really makes that fourth line effective. Now, they didn't score tonight, but they had a lot of offensive zone time. They were pushing the, the, the issue and, and, and played very well. And I agree, Tyler Johnson has looked better in these playoffs than he did a lot of the regular season, to be honest. Yeah, Ross Colton uh, blocked a shot off his uh, ankle or foot area. It looked like that bothered him for a little bit, but he was able to come back and play. So basically they did what sort of what they did to Florida. They've, they've reclaimed home ice. Um, they win game one. Of course, a, a big opportunity, I guess, on uh, what will be Tuesday night uh, mm-hmm. when they play Carolina again. That game, I think, is it 7 730. o'clock? 7.30. Right? Yeah, 7.30. Yep. Um, so they'll be back at it. And obviously, you know, if you go up 2-0, that would be a huge advantage for them. But just to, just to win that first game on the road – and turn the home ice back to your advantage is, is, is a big deal. You know, John Cooper after the game said that, uh, you know, that this is what an experienced team does, that you got to learn how to play with a lead, how to extend it uh, when you do get it, and then how to, how to protect it. He says it takes a certain mental toughness um, to do that. And, and I think in, in situations where the Lightning are ahead late in the third period or even any time in the third period, I just think they play so smart and so sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a point where Carolina really wanted, um, you know, to get uh, Novetkovic off the uh, off the ice, and they couldn't because Tampa Bay was pushing, pushing, keeping it yes. in their zone, and they reduced that man advantage uh, to about a minute and fifteen, or a little over a minute, whereas it could have been two, two and a half, and that's that's a real credit to them, you know, to to keep it down in their zone. And, and force their goaltender to stay to stay in the net because let me tell you it came down like right to the final seconds they they had some pretty good looks uh, with the man advantage at the end of that game mm-hmm. and it would not have surprised me if they tied it up I think the Lightning are now thirty two and one this year when entering the third period with a lead that's incredible um, the one loss being in the last round against the Panthers when right, they were up right. five to three going into the third and then lost in overtime mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I mean. The one thing the Lightning do, they can at times play loose in their defensive end and have trouble clearing the pucks in that. When it mm-hmm. comes down to crunch time, generally you'll see them forcing the issue and spending more time in the other team's zone than in their own zone late right. in the game, and, and which is a, a great way to, to you know milk the clock in that. If the other team can't Absolutely. even get in your zone, how are they going to score? Right. Um, they do that very well, and, and but – in Colorado or uh, Carolina talked about I'm watching the Colorado game. Carolina talked about this. Um, you know, I mean, when you have the best goalie in the world behind you, it helps too. You know, it yeah. al- it allows you as the Lightning to force the issue and push play and 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 even take some chances at times. Sometimes it may take a little too much, but take some chances because you know the guy behind you can stop it. Well, think about the last two games he has played, right? Um a game six that, that they absolutely needed to win to avoid having to go to Florida for a game seven. 
he pitches a shutout. And then in the first game at Carolina, he gives up just the one power play goal um, and, you know, ends up what stopping like 37 shots, I think, or something like that, um, 37 to 38. So, I mean, he is the best the best goaltender on the planet, and that's the reason why the Lightning, I think, won a Stanley Cup a year ago and are poised to, you know, to perhaps uh, take control of this series. And and if they do, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see who they wind up with. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. This, this is going to be a long one. I don't I don't see this ending in four or five, but uh, um, it'll probably go six or seven, I would imagine. Well, the interesting one is we got a game up. seven tonight. Toronto right. against Montreal. And Toronto had a three one lead in this series and now all of a sudden it's three three. Yeah. Against That's Montreal. Ooh. And they've had third period leads the last two games and blew it. That's gotta be killing uh Toronto, you know, the Mecca of uh of the NHL. Well and and, and how many collapses have they had in the playoffs oh, Mostly so to Bo- usually it's to Boston that they're collapsing, but Right. But now, you know, against Montreal, they're down now it's a three three series with game seven tonight in Toronto. That'd be such a bitter pill for those fans to have to swallow. So that would be. But tough. I, I do like the Lightning's chances, and um, this was an important game. You know, you just they had a couple days off. You never know how you're going to come out on the road. Uh, mm-hmm. A great crowd, really excited crowd. I mean, those folks in Carolina were on it from the start with their towels, and you know, um, very uh, very much into it. And it was a close game, so so you never really had a chance to relax. But I think there were sixteen thousand two hundred ninety nine in attendance. So yeah, the lighting of announced will be thirteen five at Amelie Arena on on for Thursday and Saturday's game. Of course, that that's the official attendance. It might be fourteen thousand or just a little over on the official attendance. But yeah, I mean they're getting there. You know, sporting events are starting to look and sound like sporting events again, and I think it's mm-hmm. terrific. Whether it's you know whether you're watching uh, baseball some nights, and certainly the NHL playoffs have been that way. Golf, um, you've seen some. You know, obviously uh, the week a week ago when we were watching the PGA, those crowds were insane. So you know it, it's starting to look and feel. And for as much as you know, they did the soundtracks and 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 try to simulate crowd noise at least on TV sometimes in the stadium. There there is an energy you get from humans <laughs> that you don't mm-hmm. get. The other thing I've noticed too, and and it, I mean, look, these guys have a hard job. I think there's a home advantage because I think that I think the people who officiate games, whether that's umpires, referees, um, you know, NHL uh, officials as well, that they're influenced by it. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, they're not supposed sure. to be, but listen, when a crowd is getting on you uh, for what looks like a trip or an interference or something like that, you know, um, and it continues to go on, then you know, you you may be more prone to call to make a call like that um, in the home arena than you would be in the away arena. I'm just saying. So that that's I, I just think the crowd and the energy, uh, you know, is, is a is something else that they have to battle this year that they didn't have to battle last year. They had a whole separate set of instances they had to deal with being in the bubble, and you got to give them t- a ton of credit for doing that and coming up with their own motivations and things like that. But um, we're a little more back to normal with respect to. Uh, to home ice and that sort of thing. What was going on with the ice, by the way? They kept was that a stall tactic? Were they? No, they had they, some. There were some, you know, either areas that were melting or got some skates stuck in and gashed or whatever. I mean, that happens periodically. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, the great Happened thing about ice is times. you can kind of throw some water on it and it freezes again. So that's how you make it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Believe it or Just not. Just toss a little bit of water on there, and if it's cold, it freezes, and 
smooth it out with your hand or whatever. It's kind of cool. So we'll see how the uh, the Lightning proceed after they win game one in Carolina. Uh, the other thing, the big story, because we can have nice things again here in Tampa Bay or Champa Bay. We'll get to just how much of Champa Bay it is these days. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But your Tampa Bay Rays have now won 15 of 16 major league games. Is that good? And that's unbelievably good. Like I, I was thinking back to when like I played American Legion ball and we would go on these runs and we'd be like fifteen and two, be like we're one of the best teams in the state. Yeah, it was American Legion ball. This is the major leagues. These guys have won fifteen out of sixteen. They're fifteen and one in their last sixteen games. It's just incredible. They sweep the short series with the Philadelphia Phillies. They won Sunday six to two at the Trop, and again. You know, they're scoring runs. Um, they're scoring them in bunches. They're scoring them, as they did in this game, with two outs. All of their runs, in fact, uh, in the 6-2 win came with two outs. And then, listen, they're, they're, their pitching has, has been the story. They're pitching in defense, as it usually is with the Rays. Um, I think they're kind of on a hot streak with respect to all their bats. But uh, that bullpen has been deep. Josh Fleming has been terrific. They had four different relievers come in. After him, uh, they're getting uh, home runs. Another one by Mike Zanino, who all lined star. one out there. All-star. All-star all catcher. Yeah, very well could be. No doubt about it. Who, uh, who else then, would you put from this team as an all-star? I mean, he's got to be the first one you name. Uh, I mean, Tyler Glass now is probably going to get the nod as a pitcher, but that's, uh, yeah. a, that's a mean, different story. Yeah, I don't, as far I, as I, position I, players go, he would have to be the one. He would have to be the one. I don't know. Well, he's the first that, one. You might get more than one, but he's the first. I don't know one. that Randy Orozarena is. You know, even though he's done some nice things, he's got probably close to their look. Joey Wendell to me has been as good as anybody on this team. Mm -hmm. You know, defensively, offensively, he's obviously having a great year. I don't know that Joey Wendell makes the All Star team. I think it's more likely going to be Zanino, and uh, maybe there'll be one other uh, position player and, and, and a pitcher or two. But yeah, Zanino, Zanino, and if you look at his production, you know, considering. Really, just take the catching position, right? It's been one of the strengths of, of their offense in some respects. They've had some enormous hits. Well, yeah, Mejia's uh, been good too. You know, it's been terrific. Batting. Yeah, with grand slams and and uh, clutch hits and game winning RBIs and things like that. So those two guys are off to a great start. Also, uh, happy birthday to the new guy, Brett Phillips. On his twenty seventh birthday, he goes deep. He says it's the first time run. since two thousand twelve. That he's been able to celebrate his birthday at home because that's, oh, that's when he right. signed in baseball and then was drafted by the Astros and went off to play minor league baseball and oh, this is also the first time he's been in the big leagues on his birthday. But yeah, but yeah, he actually you know because he's from here got to celebrate it, you know his birthday at home. They were playing at home today. Seminole High School product and uh, yeah, got a chance to go deep. I only went deep one time, Steve, on my birthday. I was 15, and my parents never met. My mom never missed a game. My dad was often coaching, so he wasn't there. Usually one of my sisters was always there. And some, for some reason, there was a big game, and my dad was managing in Legion Ball, and I was 15. 
playing at Azalea Senior Little League, and I, I went yard, and it was my first home run of the year, and no one was there to see it, <laughs> which is the most depressing thing in the world. It was like, they came home, and said, how'd you do? I go, oh, they, we won. Go, well, how'd you do? Well, I hit a home run. It's like, no. Yeah, it's like, so you love hitting home runs on your birthday, and you love uh, when you can do it in your hometown. That's just got to be an unbelievable feeling. I mean, just just think about Brett Phillips playing for the Rays, playing in his hometown team for the Major League Baseball. It happens, you know, around the game, but there can't be anything greater than to grow up and, you know, watch that team and then end up putting on that uniform and, and, and playing for them, you know. So really cool moment for him. He's had some big hits, some clutch hits this year. And um, so, yeah, but but uh, speaking of their, their pitching, um, it's, it's given them a chance to get leads on teams. How about this for a number? And uh, they haven't trailed in their last four games. In fact, since last Tuesday, they've led – at the conclusion of 30 of their last 37 innings. And they were tied in the other seven. So isn't that, isn't that amazing that they've – Is that good? Pretty, it's unbelievable. I mean, like, they are who we thought they are. Oh, and by the way, they're beginning a series with uh, your New York Yankees or Tampa's New York Yankees or whatever you want to call them, who, by the way, just got swept by the – what? Detroit Tigers? The Tigers swept the Yankees? Yeah, as Aaron Boone said, it was a bad series. Really bad. <laughs> you think? Aaron Boone might be looking for a job by the All-Star break if this thing continues to go south for them. Let me just tell you. I mean, I, I don't know how many more managers there are in baseball that probably are, are uh, you know have some owners thumbing pink slips, but he'd be on the top or near the top of the list. Now, if the Rays so that, go in and take, say, three or four in this series. Yeah. Could be it, right? Could be I, mean, I don't. I don't know if they'd go that quick, but that would put them, well, what, six and a half games back, I think, at that I point? I mean, they're four and a half now. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. The, wow. That's a that's an impressive lead. It really is for the Rays to be that, that much up on the Yankees. And they've owned them for the last two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the thing. The, the Rays have turned the tables on the Yankees big time, including uh, at Yankee Stadium, where they used to just absolutely struggle. But um, they have a chance now to, you know, to really extend that lead and start to run away. They already have what the best lead, best record in the American League. Uh, they're tied for the best record in baseball with the Padres. That's incredible to me. They're yeah, they're thirty four and twenty, fourteen games above five hundred. Fourteen games above five hundred, and they always say, "Well, the season begins at Memorial Day." Oh, well. and by the way. <laughs> We're right at Memorial Day, folks, and yes. uh, I, I hope you guys are observing it the, the correct way and remembering all of those that uh, serve and have uh, given the ultimate price for our freedoms and all of that. Make sure you observe those people um, who do the job that uh, that that very few uh, are called to do, but they, they certainly uh, uh, are responsible for our freedoms, and, and, and it is a day of remembrance as much as anything, but... Yeah, here we are, Memorial Day, which is a – it is. It's sort of a day that you, you take a look at the standings and you go, okay, I think I can can kind of, you know, uh, assess what, what kind of teams are out there and how they're playing and, you know, which ones we expect to stay in contention. And, you know, the race at the top of baseball. I mean, it's just – it's incredible. That organization mm-hmm. has just been so successful. And, oh, by the way, did I see where the Durham Bulls have won like 12 out of 13 as well? I think they're on a hot streak. I haven't looked that mistake. up, but it wouldn't uh, surprise. Yeah, me they're now. they're also they're also streaking because they have such good ball players at that level too. So, um, yeah, just just really interesting. While we're talking to the Rays, I would encourage everybody that's listening to this podcast go check out the story that Mark Tompkin did 
on Chris Archer. Um, really touching story. You know, Chris is battling his way back from an injury, um, but uh, was uh, out for a little while, maybe longer, away from the team because of his mother passing away. It's a really touching story. Um, you know, she I guess she contracted pneumonia. They were hoping it wouldn't be a very long hospital stay. Typically, you, you can overcome that. Um, but for some reason, uh, her condition worsened, and um, she passed away, and he was there with her uh, when she did. But it's a really uh, touching story uh, about Chris and his mom and his family and how they're doing. But um, you're rooting for the guy to come back and get a chance to pitch because, you know, what he wanted to come and play in Tampa Bay for as much as anything was he wanted to be part of the winning culture here. He was part of a lot of teams that didn't win, mm-hmm. and, and now now he's a member of the the best team in the American League and one that's leading the AL East, and he'd love to be, you know, on the mound and contributing, and uh, hopefully he will before too long. Um, but, uh, you know, pitching has been such a such a strength of this ball club that he could only add to it if he can get back and get back healthy. So we wish him uh, a ton of success as well. Uh, backing up to Friday, I happened to do my due diligence. <laughs> it was reminded me of my Berkeley prep days. Um but, you know, Bruce Arians had offered Tom Brady and his gang, you know, the guys that put together the impromptu passing camps, an opportunity to, to go to the Bucks facility and, and throw. And, you know, uh, I guess it was a week ago today, as a matter of fact, last you know, Monday, that um, Tom Brady and a bunch of his teammates, Rob Gronkowski and, um, you know, Blake Gabbert and a bunch of guys that were out there um, – you know, Cameron Brait, a bunch of tight ends and stuff. They're out there throwing the football around, and they did it at the Yankee Spring Training Home, the one that's off of Himes there, um, just to the south of Raymond James Stadium. So they're like less than a quarter mile away from the Bucks facility, um, but that's where they decided to hold their first workout, or at least one of their first workouts. We don't know if it's the first. And so we had the uh, the OTAs, you know, last week, which will continue uh, tomorrow for the Bucks and. You know, Bruce Arians reiterated, he said, look, I, you know, I'm fine with those guys not being at OTAs. In fact, I wouldn't put them on the field if they were here. However, if they're going to have those those workouts and Tom's going to throw with those guys, I really wish they would just throw at our facility because we got three practice fields. They can use, use them anytime they want to. Uh, we won't have coaches out there. They can work out as long as they want. They can have the weight room. They can have lunch, whatever. Um, but just, you know, do it here. Because that way it'll protect if someone were to get hurt, their salary would continue to be guaranteed because the league has been adamant that anyone who gets hurt sort of off campus is going to end up on a non-football injury list and you're going to lose what would normally be um, a guaranteed portion of your salary. So I thought it was good judgment by Brady. Uh, I saw him out there. I got a chance to watch him for a little while. He still wears the the knee brace, obviously. He's coming off of what he said was fairly serious surgery something that bothered him with that knee pretty much all year. And uh, he moved around pretty well, not that he's a scrambling quarterback or anything, but he was, you know, he had, he had good bounce in his step. And uh, the the portion that I worked, uh, watched, they, they started very early, uh, sometime around seven or so. And uh, they didn't go that long, but, you know, it was it was good to see that group out there. And Mike Evans was there for the first time, I understand. He had not been part of that group. And then uh, you also had Antonio Brown and, um, Rob Gronkowski and, and, and a lot of the same guys, Blaine Gabbard, that you saw 
you know, earlier in the week at uh, the Yankees facility. But, you know, Arian said, he goes, I, you know, I just, I'm glad that they're out here working out. And, and he could look out his window and see them. And it was before OTAs. They were off the field. They were done with everything before those guys got on the field. And, and some of those guys have been doing double duty. Guys like Gio Bernard, you know, they had gone and thrown with Tom and then also gone to OTAs because they want to be uh, involved in learning the offense and, and trying to integrate themselves with teammates and things like that. And they don't feel like their positions on the club are as guaranteed as, you know, the 22 starters. So, you know, given Tom's union stance about telling guys to stay strong, and look, he's he's not coming to OTA, so he's really not going against his word. But I think this is how the offseason could look in the NFL. I, I think the Bucks may be onto something. And what the teams did was they pretty much said, hey, negotiate with your coaches what kind of – off season you would like to have. And what the Bucks did was they had they normally would have ten OTAs. They've shortened that to six. And they'll be over this week. They'll be done with organized team activities by the end of this week. And then they have a mandatory mini camp which will begin on June sixth and run through the ninth. Or June seventh and run through the ninth, excuse me. June seventh through nine. And then they're done. And that's it. That's a wrap for the off season. Now they'll come back later in July and begin you know, preparing for the preseason. There's three preseason games and, um, you know, and then a week off and then you start the regular season. But, you know, it's uh, it's really interesting that, you know, this was this was sort of the sort of the first time that the Bucks agreed to, that those players agreed to show up and just kind of do their own thing at the facility. And I think if teams would just open the facilities, if they would just say, hey, it's here, you can work out here, we can meet, any any way you want to we can meet virtually um or we can meet here it's up to you but like you know just come to this facility so that you don't uh put your put your teammates at risk in terms of their contracts and things like that and that's what the off season could be in the nfl i don't think it has to be a structure because these guys are going to work out anyway why would you want them to go to la fitness why would you want them to go uh, potentially, you know, on some high school field or park somewhere mm-hmm. and get their work in. So it just makes sense to me that this this should be what what the NFL offseason looks like going forward. It makes sense for everybody. It, it's, it yeah. makes too much sense. Exactly. Which means they I mean, probably will screw it up. But. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, the, and, and, you know, it's if there's a check involved, then that's what gets what gets your attention, right? If they would pay these guys more than just the per diems or – uh, whatever it is that they get in the off season, which is not their salaries, um, because that's the thing. Like this is they're reclaiming their time. This is their time. Well, but the bigger, the biggest part of it is vacation. Yeah, the biggest part of it is is getting paid if you get hurt. Right. Exactly. But they're going to work out anyway, and that's right. the thing. Like you know, it, but the, the the players don't. They don't feel like it's fair to them. And Twenty years ago, you know, maybe guys weren't as. Uh, committed i guess as as far as being in shape and doing different things but these days it, it's it's kind of ridiculous i mean we know that guys don't get into shape they just stay in shape and so you know if they're going to be out there working out anyway um what they don't want to be told is you have to be here whether it's voluntary or not because we all know what voluntary means in the nfl if you let a guy take a rep he could take your job and you know if players come to otas or felt like they they need to to keep their jobs they're gonna they're gonna practice and they and they're gonna practice harder than they should, and it just turns into, you know, one of those where you you feel like you have to be there type of deals, and you know to their point it's like look when, you know when guys, 
you know, in Major League Baseball, you don't have pitchers, and this was Bray's example, you don't have pitchers throwing, you know, bull, full bullpens at, at, at 95 miles an hour sometime in November. You know, they, they build up to that when they get to spring training in February. So, you know, why are you asking guys to run routes at full speed? Why are you asking quarterbacks to to throw the ball, you know, down the field? And if they want to do it, and, and, and Tom Brady's one of those few quarterbacks that likes to throw all the time, I mean, he really does like to throw in the offseason. But they can do it, you know, the number of throws they're comfortable with, when they want to do it, what throws they want to make without coaches telling them, without – scripted um, practices and things like that, and I think it's fine. So hopefully that's that's the way it'll be. All right, before we get out of here, uh, congratulations to the USF Bulls baseball team. They beat UCF 8-7 to in the final of the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Champa Bay. Champa Bay is continuing. Red hot Champa Bay, that's right. And they're off to uh, the region. We'll find out during the selection show sometime later today which uh, baseball region they're going to go to. But for a team that is now just one game over 500, thanks to a very good tournament, that's quite an accomplishment. It's been many, many years, I think, since USF has, has uh, won a, uh, a conference championship in baseball. So today the Rays uh, will move on to New York. They have uh, the beginning of their series. That game is at 1 o'clock, one o'clock, 105 actually, in the Bronx. Uh, we'll talk to Tom Jones probably later this week, my former radio partner, now with the Pointer Institute. Also, the Lightning play game two on Tuesday night. And you can always get your mailbag questions in. I'm sure we'll be doing one of those later this week. I'm getting questions on a regular basis, which is really cool. So we're storing those up. But you can do that by sending them to us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Remember to uh, remember the troops and those who uh, keep us free on Memorial Day. Have a safe one. For Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.